Welcome back to Sober Girl Podcast. Today, my guest is Gina. Hi, Gina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. I know. Like I find most of my guests, I found you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Super exciting. We have built this friendship out of that, which I am beginning to cherish. What is your sobriety date? My sobriety date is June 20th of 2021. Awesome. And what substances did you use? Uh, let's see. I drank. So alcohol was my drug of choice, but I, um, I have used my prescription medications. Um, so, you know, stimulants, Adderall, um, cocaine, that's not prescribed. Um, but you know, dabbled in some of that. And then I did experiment with like psychedelics and hallucinogens, like in my early twenties, but it was like a I didn't like those at all, but it's still a part of my story. Um, and you know, weed. So yeah. Um, all, what, all the things, all the things. Yeah. All the things <laughs> Now that I listed out, <laughs> when did this start for you? When, you know, drinking is a natural thing. Everybody can do it when they hit that certain age. When did all of this use start? So <laughs> my first drink was in high school. Um, you know, I feel like in high school, it's kind of like a rite of passage. And I, I hear that it's said a lot. Um, you know, it's like the cool thing to do. Um, you know, everybody's doing it kind of thing. People have parties. Oh, my parents are going out of town. Uh, my parents have liquor in the, in the cabinet, that kind of stuff. So I was exposed to it at a pretty young age. You know, my parents drank. My mom is, uh, a recovered she's in recovery um also so um and then you know everything else kind of came at a later time um but alcohol was with me you know i believe i was 15 um and i smoked weed too um i mostly smoked weed uh at the you know in the beginning the drinking didn't really i didn't know what drinking could do for me until I got older. When was the first time that you remember feeling drunk or high if the other substance that was what you did oh first? God. Like with that first, yeah. do you remember like that first feeling, like everything you were feeling and thinking at that time? So there's like this, so for alcohol, um, it was, it's so bizarre how memorable this is. I think it was because I realized like how, what a hot mess I could turn into when I drank. Um, and it was like ninth grade homecoming and we were at my best friend's house in her parents' basement. And it was like our friend group, big friend group, all hanging out, drinking, like, you know, smearing off ices, like the, all the nasty things, but I was drunk and I was going through a breakup of it was a guy I dated for like a few months, but I was in love with him. Of course, um, everything was the end of the world in high school, but I remember like just being so like emotional and like just messy. Um, that wasn't a very good experience. Um, and then with weed, I mean, I remember it was while I was dating that same guy uh, we were in the drive-through. It was like summer of going into 10th grade, maybe. No, it was ninth grade. 
Anyway, we were going through the drive-through of the Taco Bell and I, I was in the bed of his pickup truck with him and his sister, someone else was driving. And I started thinking about my breathing, which was so stupid. Cause then I was like, I can't breathe. Like I, I, I can't, I don't remember how to breathe. Um, so yeah. And then with alcohol, I mean, it progressively, like I didn't drink a lot when I was younger. And in fact, I didn't really drink a lot like in my later teens. Um, I, but I did, whenever I did drink it, like it wasn't fun. It wasn't like my reaction to alcohol was not definitely not normal. Um, you know, I didn't start using alcohol to cope with things. Um, and push the feelings down. Like I didn't know what it could actually do for me, which I thought was beneficial until like after I was 21 what and I'm 34. 34. Yeah. What were the things that you were trying to cope and not feel? So, um, my first serious relationship, my, it was my longest, um, like long-term relationship, it ended. Um, and I knew he had been cheating on me. It was just a whole, it was a mess. Um, everything that didn't end on my terms in life, I was going to make it real messy and really hard for the other person. Um, but I did start drinking. Um, you know, I started using alcohol as like, a, a, a numbing agent, I guess you could say. Um, also, that was like around when Fireball came out. So Fireball was super good. Like to me, I know a lot of people hate it, but I, it was easy for me to drink. I didn't, it was the only liquor where I didn't need a chaser. Like I could actually drink like without making a face. So I was like getting trashed like immediately. Um, and then I was prescribed, you know, um, Klonopin, which I still am prescribed and take as needed, but I was literally, I think we talked about this briefly. Um, I was taking my Klonopin and it was still in my system when I was drinking like later the next night or whatever. So I literally was roofing myself and blacking out constantly. Um, but, you know, it definitely pushed away all the feelings. Um, you know, just the fear of, um, you know, a lot of that breakup, I'm not saying like that was like the end all be all and that it ruined my life, but it made me realize like, you know, I, I was very happy go lucky before that and, you know, didn't have a care of the world. And, um, it really like that breakup made me realize, whoa, like life is scary. Like <laughs> bad things can happen. Feelings are real. Um, and I didn't want to, I did not want to feel any of the feelings that I was feeling. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, um, people don't understand that even in just a relationship that trauma looks different for everybody mm -hmm. just because it was a relationship and whatever the two of you had gone through, that can still be a traumatic situation for you. Trauma it doesn't was, have yeah. to be, it's not like one size fits all, just like sobriety isn't one size fits all. Right. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be you know, this crazy bad breakup, it doesn't have to be. But when I find when women are cheated on, it literally makes them lose whatever love they have for themselves. Yep. Which happened to me as well. So I under, I understand that.
Yeah, and um, you know, he had been cheating on me the whole entire time. Um, and still to this day, like he'll message me like on my birthday or, or Christmas, which is so random. And um, but he today will still not admit to the fact that he was cheating on me, which is just like, you know, oh well, that's not my problem anymore. But um there were there's also a lot of feelings and trauma that happened as a kid. Um that I, I feel like I don't, rem I don't have a lot of childhood memories. And I think that is my, it's our brain that does that. It's like our defense mechanism. Um, and I don't want to know those memories. I'm okay with not remembering everything, but the ones I do have are like super weird and traumatic, <laughs> super, sorry, super weird and traumatic, like being terrified of quicksand as a kid, like and like just the weirdest things but um I went through a lot of trauma as a kid um I was molested and I don't I don't think I've ever like told this to anyone like on social media or a podcast but I was molested in third grade by a neighbor their dad um and I don't talk about it a lot in life it doesn't I don't think it affects me today but it is a big deal. Um, I think it definitely, you know, has to do a lot with like how promiscuous I was, um, or ended up being at such a young age. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you. I can hundred percent relate with, um, I don't remember much. I don't have many memories from my childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm thankful for that. I think, because yeah. I think it is my brain and I have no desire to know what those are. None. Zero. Right. I'm, I'm terrified of what they are. Cause if my brain's blocking out, it was bad. Right. That's my like feeling. So I have absolutely no, like, I remember nothing. I have to ask my brothers, like of certain mm -hmm. situations and they'll, they'll tell me what happened because I, I even like blocked out even most of the good because they must go with the bad memory somehow. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I was going to ask about that. What was your yeah. childhood like with like your parents and obviously something really traumatic happened to you as a child as well? Yeah. So, um, from the outside looking in, uh, it didn't seem so bad, even like to me, I was like for the longest time up until I got sober, actually, I was like, Oh, it wasn't that bad my childhood, but it was really dysfunctional. Um, my parents got divorced when I was two, which is beautiful i'm so grateful that they did um and they are both happily remarried um and i love that you know i love both sets of parents um but the trauma what really is traumatic is a young child having to go through all of that like you're you don't know how to process those things as a kid um and so of course I did things to seek attention. Like I was hyper and like, you know, just w whether it was negative attention, positive, like I just needed to be the center of attention at all times. Um, so, you know, I primarily lived at my dad with my dad and my stepmom with my older sister. And then, you know, they had a kid, my mom and my stepdad had a kid. Um, I, decided that I wanted to live with my mom, like moved to my mom's house in the third grade. Um, so I did, and my sister followed. Um, 
So my mom, I never knew my mom had a problem. I didn't really know what an alcoholic was. Um, I just heard the term like, you know, people when you're younger, I mean, it's really sad actually, but I remember kids making fun of like other people like after a party one weekend being like, oh, you're an alcoholic. Like I never knew what that was. I never knew that, you know, my mom bringing us to the liquor store as kids like frequently like that's not normal either um so my mom and I were a lot alike we're identical um and we never got along we fought all the time since I was a kid like as you know through my teenage years and it was it wasn't just your normal typical arguing um it was it got you know physical um it was it was bad. Um, I felt so out of control. So somewhere like my childhood was like, it was traumatic, but it went into like overdrive with like, just, this is too much for me, for a kid to handle. Um, so I ended up, I cut myself a lot. Um, nothing to the point where I was like bleeding. I wasn't doing it. Um, to kill myself. I was doing it for attention. Um, I had a severe eating disorder. Um, I struggled with anorexia and bulimia at the same time. Uh, and I think I was like down to 80 pounds in like the eighth and ninth grade. And, um, you know, was just, you know, I was loud about everything. I wasn't like my, my sisters who were, you know, if they, smoked cigarettes, you know, they were smart about it. They didn't smoke them right outside of the house when the windows were open. I just, you know, I wasn't thinking apparently. Um, but anyway, long story short, um, my mom couldn't mom me at the time. And that's how I put it. Cause a lot of my friends are like, how do you have a relationship with your parents after like everything you went through and like what they did but my mom like she could not she wasn't a bad mom she just could not mom me she could I mean my sisters and all my other siblings still lived at the house but they ended up um taking me to court one morning and I didn't know about it until the night before um I spent the night at a friend's house and her her mom was like tomorrow you're going to court and basically you're going to probably go away. And I was like, uh, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah. So my parents gave their custodial rights up to the state of Virginia of, of me. So I was a ward of the state and I went to, um, for three months. So I had like a, a social worker and a guardian at Lightum, I think is what they're called. Um, so my parents were not my parents anymore. Blood, yeah, blood, they were my parents, but no, they were not my parents. Um, it's so crazy to think about too. Um, so this was like 10th grade, um, end of 10th grade. So here I am, like I'm uprooted from my home and like what I'm used to, my friends that, you know, everything. Um, and I went into, for three months, it was a it was called Kids in Focus. Um, and it it's a lockdown. I think it was a lockdown facility, but it was like a house. Um, and I was there for three months and 
it was like, I don't, it was, I guess it was like a rehab for kids. Um, and I was there for my eating disorder. Um, but as soon as I left my house, like my environment, my eating disorder went away. Wow. So yeah. Um, and then after that, so I kept, I was under the impression that after I finished that I could come home and that's what I was told. Um, but that did not happen. I went into a group home. I spent the rest of my high school career in a group home, um, here in Richmond called the Virginia home for boys and girls. And I lived with, it was eight of us girls in one house. There were, you know, boys and girls homes on campus. It, really beautiful, awesome place. Um, but you know, as soon as I got there, I was just like, you had to like earn your privileges. I was like the first and fastest to earn my privileges because I wasn't like, you know, I was, I had my issues, but I wasn't like, I did not have it as bad as these, some of these other girls. Like they had it like really, like their parents were, you know, in jail or they were like drug addicts or they were dead. Um, I mean, these girls had it pretty, it was tough. Um, but I earned my privileges like right away. Um, I did not have to attend the school that was on campus, which everyone usually has to attend that school. I was able to attend, you know, regular high school, um, got into college, you know, everything was normal. It real. I'm grateful that all of that happened because I had structure in my life for the first time. I didn't have that growing up. I was allowed to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. I was able to like watch whatever I wanted to. Like there, there were there were no rules. Um, and if there were rules, if I was grounded, I mean, they were not enforced. So I was, it was very, um, I guess talking about it and thinking about it, it was very, uh, there was a lot of mixed messages going on. Like, I was grounded, but I still had my own phone line, like stuff like that. I was very spoiled um, as a kid. And I, I think, um, you know, my mom and I, my mom and I are the best of friends. Like our relationship is amazing today and I would not trade it or her for anything. Um, I, but I do know, I feel like she, a lot of the times just, thought she could buy our love like we, we always had the newest toy like and a new toy every weekend or you know our own phone lines like what kid needs their own phone line like no kid um we're just very spoiled um and I don't know if it was the fact that she was drinking and just didn't want to deal with it which I could you know I I told her like I would if I were my mom, like, oh my gosh, like I would have been insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, childhood was rough. It was not picture perfect, um, but it made me into the person that I am today, who is a strong, very strong, um, I would say independent. And I think, a healthy, you know, fearless, it's, it can sound unhealthy, but I think it's healthy. Um, the, the fearlessness that I have. Um, but I'm also, it's made me a very loving and understanding person too. Uh, cause I did grow up very sheltered and 
growing up very privileged, but I was thrown into this group home where like, I'm living with girls like who, it was like, it was scary. Cause I'm, I lived in a country club neighborhood and now I'm living in a group home. Um, so it really brought me down. Um, and I learned about like, you know, that this, not everyone grows up in a country club. Not everyone has a golf cart. Like, so I, I, I'm very thankful for that experience. Um, cause I do also fear that I probably would be dead, uh, if it weren't for me going there, not just because of the eating disorder, but the destructive uh, path I was going down with, you know, friends in high school, just stupid stuff. Yeah, that's our Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Even when these things happen to us and we don't have the best childhoods, it's interesting to see the qualities that we create from that. And, you know, I can speak to my experience. I had a really traumatic childhood, but I think that I'm such a strong person and I think that all of us my myself and all of my siblings have just such a great healthy life and I really think that's because we saw such an unbalanced childhood that you know we want that for ourselves in adulthood and I think that's a special thing to recognize that even though it hurt you at the time and it wasn't the best it it made you into the person you are today and I think that's important yeah no I I think sorry dogs I agree a hundred percent um and you know I could sit here and blame everything on my childhood but I I don't agree with that at all so I think you know being able to grow from it from your your struggles is the best absolutely now switching gears a little bit what led you to sobriety oh my gosh um magic (laughs) something um so I never, ever considered like me being sober. It was, it, it was never a thought in my mind. I never once thought to myself, like me, like, say, for example, say like a friend of mine is like, oh, I'm sober. I never would be like, oh, I could never do that. It was just never, it didn't exist to me. My mom was, so, is sober. And I went to AA with her um, when I was still drinking. But to me, sobriety was just like this, like fantasy world that like I it was not a part of my life like that's how ignorant I guess I was um so one day I woke up and nothing really led me to it like there was no like big come to Jesus moment like nothing bad happened like I was you know I I described my my bottom as like I had multiple like pebble bottoms like they were not rock bottoms or they were just multiple crappy things that just like added up and finally like the equation made sense um and I woke up one morning and I was sitting in this room just sitting on the floor um and something had said like spoke to me and I don't know if it was like a dream because I just woken up and I was tired but something told me like you're never drinking again and I just I wrote it in my journal and I was like, that's weird. <laughs> like what a weird thought. And I have not drank since then. I have not done, you know, drugs. I haven't drank. I don't have the craving to drink, um, which is a miracle because I hear 
you know, about people having like cravings and like the shakes. I didn't have any of that. Um, but, you know, I realized like, I'm such, uh, I'm very ambitious. Like I want to do all the things. I'm a self-starter, um, both of my parents and step-parents. Um, so all four of them were all entrepreneurs. Um, they own their own businesses. So that's, it, it's like heavy in my blood. Um, my mom and my dad are both creatives. So that's in my blood. Um, there's just so much that I wanted to do that I hadn't done. And so many things that I had done over and over again, like just like putting myself in just horrible relationships and like, you know, all the things just this cycle of chaos and you know, I, I always say this, like Albert Einstein says that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get different results. And that was me with drinking. So, you know, I realized that day, like that's the one thing I have not tried. Like I've, I've stopped drinking before, but it was for like selfish purposes, like working out, like, cause why get, you can't, there's no point of getting in shape if you're going to drink. It's like they cancel each other out. But um, this time I was like, something is holding me back. Like something is like keeping me stuck in this like place of, I want to reach these goals, but here I am, like I can't. And it was alcohol. Um, so for the first time it was like, I'm stopping, you know, to, to evolve into like the highest and best Gina that I can be. Um, and it's, it feels like it was just yesterday. It's, it's really crazy. It just goes by. Um, but it, for me, like it's been really easy and I'm very grateful. I mean, I don't want to say easy. It's been, um, it's been, it hasn't been like awful. Like I hear a lot of people like, they're like, oh, you're, uh, wait till your second year, like, wait till your first year is up, like, it just, it gets bad, and I'm like, mm, not for me, and it's, I'm definitely, like, not riding a pink cloud, I think I'm just loving my new life in sobriety, because my, I hated myself and my old life, I hated it, I hated myself, it was just so shitty, sorry for cursing, um, I'm not used to life being this good. I never thought I could love myself. I never thought that I could think like a normal person and not be like insane. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. I agree with all of those things. I don't have cravings either. The day that I stopped is the, mm -hmm. I just not had them and I'm very fortunate for that. Yeah. And it, it's, it depends on the person. I think it depends on the use as well. I think it depends mm -hmm. on a lot of different factors where you are and what you're doing. Like you, it sounds like you kind of did what I did and just dove into the emotional part. You wanted to know, okay, what's going on? Why am I doing this to myself? Why don't I love myself? Like I need to learn right. to love myself. And a lot of people just stop drinking mm -hmm. <laughs> and then they're just like, okay, why am I having cravings? And why is this hard? Uh, I'm about to hit three years and I will Yay. disagree with whoever told you that two years is rough because the second year of sobriety was the best year of my life. Really good. Yeah. I got married. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I hear I got, these horror stories. And I'm like, okay. 
no, I think it depends on you as a person and how you do it. Right. And everybody's rock bottom going back to that. It looks different. Like right. you know, my, my rock bottom was multiple reasons. And right. some people's rock bottom could be they're exhausted. Some person's rock bottom could be, you know, that they want to get healthy and maybe that's where it started. And they realized they did have a problem. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not one size fits all. And I try to say that right. as much as possible because there's so many different ways. Now, how do you maintain that sobriety? Do you, are you, did you do any kind of program? Do you do stuff yeah. personally with yourself? Like explain to us what you do. Yes. Yeah, so for the first, I'm like, it's so weird. I think it's because I journal, like I've been journaling since seventh grade. So I have like a very accurate timeline of like what day things happened on. So for the first 50 days, I only saw like, and this was like a, from, this is my choice. Like I pretty much put myself in like isolation Um, but a healthy isolation. I cut off all of my friends that I was hanging out with. I do not talk to them. Um, You know, I talked to like my two best girlfriends, but I wasn't, they don't drink like I did. Um, The friend group that I was hanging out with here in the town that I'm living in, the bar friends. um, I, you know, I allowed myself to see my family and I just reflected. I did a lot of self-reflection a lot of just like sleeping, which I still do a lot. Um, a lot of like, I guess really, it was almost like my body was like physically healing itself because I had done so much damage to it. Like all, I'm still making up for all the sleep that I lost. Like my, I mean, I, it's exhausting what you put yourself through. Um, especially when you're like taking all of these uppers and then drinking on top of it and then taking more, doing more things like to keep you up, like your body is tired. So I really focused on taking care and loving my, my body, um, at first. And I'm still, I still do that. So day 51, I thought it was a great idea to go on my first date. Um, and I did, and that's when he took me to my first AA meeting, like for myself. Um, I won't talk about like the relationship. It obviously ended and I'm grateful that it ended. Um, because, you know, he was not who he would made himself out to be, but I am grateful for the fact that he did bring me to my first AA meeting because I don't think I would have gone myself. Um, I am a very anxious person. Um, it's my anxiety has tremendously, uh, just eased with, you know, my time in sobriety, it's gotten so much better, but this was our first date. And like, I remember sitting in his truck and I'm like freaking out as we're pulling up. And he was like, are you, he was like, do you have anxiety? And I was like, Yep. <laughs> I sure do. (laughs) So I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful, um, from that relationship, the gut feeling, that was my first time I had a gut feeling. I I don't ever remember having gut feelings like that, which sounds really crazy, but that's the first time I experienced one that was like, Oh, this is, this is how I, this is like my, um, like my guide. This is like, 
what tells me what to do and what not to do. It was like, this is so cool. It's like built inside of me. So I started going to AA after that, like religiously. I loved it. Um, but my second meeting, I just picked a beginner's meeting out of like one of those. No, it wasn't the book. It was the online. I just like closed my eyes and picked one. Had no idea where I was going. I just put it in my GPS, ended up being like 30 minutes from my house. Um, but at the end of the meeting, um, someone tapped me on my shoulder and it ended up being my preschool teacher from preschool. So when I was two. Oh my, I just got chills. I was like, talk about meant to be. And that's when I was like, okay, like this has kept my mom sober. Like this doesn't happen just to, to people who drink, like this would never happen like this. And obviously it was like, it was my higher power. Um, Sky daddy, but I, shout out to I Haley. Just remember, yes. Yes. I just remember, I just remember just like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Like how, how crazy is that? Like, um, so then the next day I went to a meeting that she said she heard was really good. And it was around the same area. And that's now my home group meeting. And it's, it's like 50 people in the meeting and it's amazing. So AA, um, I, I, like I said, started going with my mom, just like as something to do when I would go visit, um, not knowing I needed it. <laughs> um, and now, you know, I go for myself and then um, I, what else? The Instagram community, um, it is amazing. Um, it's been very helpful. I've met so many amazing people such as yourself, um, through the sober and recovery community on Instagram. Um, I do, however, have noticed and have been very, very, uh, aware of the time that I was putting into it. Um, so I'm making a conscious effort to, um, you know, I'm taking these like mini breaks, but I'm also trying to wean my, I'm not weaning myself off completely, but I'm weaning myself to like where I'm not on it constantly. Cause it's just trading one addiction for another. Um, so AA, you know, the sobriety community, um, gosh, I've done, you know, book clubs. I have met, you know, sober people in my neighborhood, like around my neighborhood. I just had my first sober, like my first girl date. It was amazing. Like, and I, we spent, we just sat in a coffee shop for two and a half hours. And I was like, that was the best date ever. Um, and I mean, podcasts, I've always liked, um, when I, uh, when I liked something, or when I want to like, say it's like a new hobby, like I go all in, like, so Quitlet was like what I started with at first. That was probably like my first thing. And I have so many books, like um, Quitlet books, mostly on Audible, um, podcasts. I, I listen to books more than I listen to podcasts. Um, but I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm very open minded. I feel like in order to have a full, like successful recovery, and this is for every journey, you should be open-minded to anything at first. Like you should not close your mind off to anything until you try it 
to the point enough to the point where you're like, okay, this isn't for me. Um, or this is for me. Um, but you know, I kind of like, it's like a grab bag, like a mixed bag of like whatever I can get. Like I, I take what I like from things and, you know, that's my, my recovery program. Um, and some days, yes, I will sit or no, I'll lay down for like all day. Like yesterday I was, I was drained. Um, and I lay down, I didn't shower or brush my teeth until like three o'clock and I'm not sorry. Um, and I laid on my couch all day after I got home from my parents' house and, um, binge watched TV because I needed it. Like that was a part of my recovery that day. But really, I think just staying connected with people. I mean, I love Zoom meetings, um, but I also, I mean, I'm very much, um, I'm very social. I like connecting with people face-to-face. Um, I'm, as I've gotten older, I'm definitely more introverted, but I do like being like around people physically. Yeah, I would. Uh, so I agree with that. I was extremely social when I was mm-hmm. in addiction and I'm much less social now. Oh yeah. For <laughs> just sure. so weird because it's just <laughs> like, but I did a lot of what you did in the beginning where it was like isolating myself. I isolated myself for a long time and not in an unhealthy way. Like I locked myself in a room until I decided right. I could like go out into the world. That's not how it was at all. But I kind of let people come back in my life on my own terms with my own boundaries. Mm-hmm. And it really just set the tone and everyone has respected them and who hasn't is not in my life anymore. And it's really right. that simple. And it's just, my life is better that way. So I totally mm-hmm. agree with that. Now the Instagram that you have, did you, was that your personal Instagram? And then you decided to speak out? Yes. Yeah, so I, I always say, I, I explain it like this on, I think it was day 42. I outed myself on Facebook first. And then I, posted it to Instagram. Um, and yeah, it was my personal one. And most people I talk to, like, they're like, Oh, I have like my personal. And then I have my like, Oh yeah. I have like three. <laughs> well, I'm like, no, I, I just, I used my personal Instagram because this is like my life. And you know, my dad's like, well, what if jobs see it? And I'm like, if they do, then I don't, that's not a company I want to work for. If they can't, if, if they don't want someone who's sober and right-minded working for them. I don't know if I want to work there. Um, but no, my dogs have Instagram accounts. So I, I do have multiple accounts. It's just, I just have my personal account, which is also my recovery journey account. Cause it's, you know, that's my life. What um, made you decide to start speaking out so openly like that? Um, so I'm, I've always been very outspoken. Um, and I've always been on social media, like before MySpace. I don't know if we're the same age. So do you remember Zanga? No. Okay. <laughs> I do, like, I do know MySpace. <laughs> they were like, it was called Zanga and it was in high school. This is how we all got in trouble. Cause we were so stupid, but we all, all of my girlfriends and I, they were like profiles and we would literally document like what happened all like what we did all weekend and someone's dad found them printed them all out and like mailed them to our parents like in the- oh so I've always been outspoken like I've always um I mean even when I was a kid like my parents always thought I was going to be like an actress 
um, which, you know, I would love to be an actress, but like, I'm lazy. I don't, I don't want to go like, do, I don't want to go live in New York or LA and go to auditions. I just, I want it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've just always been outspoken um, in person and online. And um, yes, I can be offensive, I've been told, um, but you know, whatever. Um, I don't think that, I think I just, you know, it was a part of my life that I feel like, hey, like this is what I'm going through. And I feel like that's what people do on social media. So, and I'm very transparent, like what you see online is my life. Like, you know, I don't, I don't go as far as like <gasps> recording myself crying because I don't think to me, for me to do that isn't genuine for me. It might be genuine for someone else to do it, but I'm not going to sit there and record myself crying because to me, it's just not me. Like I, that's something very, um, like very, very personal for me. That is just, you know, I'll, I'm personal on Instagram, but like, I'm not going to go out of my way and record it. Like, I just, I can't, um, you know, and it's, it was a great way to keep myself like in check and like the accountability thing. I don't think at the time I was doing it, I was, that wasn't in my thought process. I think I just wanted the world to know, like, I'm not a hot mess anymore. I still was. Um, cause you know, you have to, I was only 42 days sober. Um, and again, you can put down the drink, but like in order to like, you have to have that emotional sobriety, like spirit being spiritually fit and the emotional sobriety, I think is, I mean, it is more important than, you know, putting down the drink. Um, obviously you have to do one to get the other, but, um, I think this getting the emotional sobriety and being spiritually fit, like maintaining that it's, I mean, it's not easy. I think for me, it was easier to just put down the drink. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I just wanted, you know, everyone to know, Hey, this is what's going on in my life. Like I'm sober. Um, it's, it's a pretty long post. Um, but I look back now and how it's inspired people. I think that that's what made me keep sharing like my journey. Um, because I, I, it was happening like multiple times on a daily basis and it still happens like on a daily basis, like, Hey, random people that I like have never even talked to since we've been friends on Facebook or Instagram, um, or just people I haven't seen in forever that, you know, they're, they, they're like, Oh, you inspired me to get sober. And that to me is like the coolest thing ever. Like that just my post, like someone saw it and it made them like reevaluate their relationship with alcohol or whatever. And it made them better themselves. Like it, it helped them. It didn't, I don't want to say it made them, it helped them. Um, so to be able to, to just inspire someone by just making, typing a few little words I mean, that's huge. Um, so that's what made me continue to, you know, talk about it. Um, I never, ever, ever knew it was going to grow into the thing that it is today, like with the Instagram thing, like this whole community, like I didn't even know that existed at all.
when I was drinking, you know, cause you're not like actively looking up, like who's, who are some sober people on Instagram that I can follow, but it's right. just, it's so cool. I've met, I was talking to Danny. She's the, you know, the co-founder of the sober app right before our podcast. She said, hi, by the way. Um, I know I and miss I, her. She's on a little vacation. Oh my God. To hear her. I sounded so funny. I was like, to hear your voice. Like, I'm so grateful to hear your voice right now. Cause she's one of my best friends and I miss her so much. Like I was like, I'm just so grateful to hear you because we haven't been able to talk on the phone. And I also was just like, I am so grateful because I've met some of the coolest women through the sober app she was saying how cool you were and how awesome and how much I would love love you and I was like oh girl we talk like almost every day (laughs) so I'm just so grateful like what what it's turned into just from that one post of me outing myself I mean it's turned into like some of the strongest bonds I've ever had with women in my life and it's I can't explain it it sounds crazy Like I never thought I'd make friends, like real connections, like the ones we've made, um, through a social media platform, but Hey, I mean, it works. It's crazy. I've, you know, I've had dating apps and stuff like that. And I've, I've made better connections like through Instagram than on a dating app. So yeah, it's insane. The people you can connect with. I love and like it. have these relationships, but it also makes me be a little bit more open because I've messaged so many people just on my own. So it yeah. does give you like a little bit of confidence as well, because these people are like, they're so gracious and they're so welcoming. And that like, none of them are like, Oh, Hey, I don't want to talk to you. All of them are like, Hey, what's up. And most of them are like willing to help you if you need help. Right. Um, he's, he- Talk, talking about confidence. Yeah. I, that is something that I always have, always thought I had. Um, but when I was drinking, like I had such a self, like self-confidence about me, it was so fake, but so believable. Cause I had built this strong, like shell of a human, you know, after, I, I don't know, 17 years of doing that, like it, it's believable of how like this, it was just a, total, uh, false sense of self-confidence, but it was believable. So, but when I got sober, I like, I was like, oh my gosh, like I wasn't taking, I used to take selfies like all the time. If you look at my Instagram, you can tell like when I got sober compared to when I was drinking, but it was like selfies, like, and they were, it was all selfish. It was all out of like selfishness, um, which I was very selfish. Um, but so going through like thinking that I was so confident and then like getting sober and uh, you know, I'm like, mom, I thought I'm supposed to be losing weight. Like, and I'm already small. So if I gain a pound, like you can tell, um, but I'm like, I'm gaining weight. Like I was, I really struggled with confidence, self-confidence in the beginning of my sobriety. I mean, sometimes I think I still do. Um, I think it's normal too, but, um, you know, again, when I'm working my program, a good program that all of that just goes away. Um, but sorry, you mentioned confidence and I just thought it was so flip-flopped how like, I, you know, I thought I had this like amazing self-confidence when I was in addiction. 
And then I got sober and quickly realized, wow, that was all superficial. Like it was, it was not me. Um, I had no idea who I was. So, but I have got that confidence back. And a lot of it is like putting myself out there and doing these silly things like reels on Instagram and sharing like comedy. Cause I love comedy. Um, like that's really helped me. Um, I know they say it's like not the best way to deal with trauma. Um, but that's how I, I do it. So, yeah, I follow a few people <laughs> who do it like that and I like it. I think it's hilarious. And I think it yeah. like lightens the situation a little bit because it is such a serious situation. It really is. And <laughs> I know. it lightens, like it lightens the mood, but I agree with everything you said about confidence. I was the same way. I was so materialistic. Yes. I literally took selfies constantly. I mean, I literally, yeah. Unlike your time hop or whatever, it shows like I bought a purse and like posted it on Instagram. Like, oh, oh my gosh, like why? Like, this is so materialistic, and I'm not even that way. It's literally so difficult for me to spend money. So I can I barely was, spend money, like, barely. I was going, so I noticed like I had like 4,000 photos on my Instagram because you used to not be able to post 10 at a time. You would have to right. post like. <laughs> So anyway, I'm like going through my pictures, like archiving, like ones, like just the most random pictures and like pictures of stuff. I, I'm like, why would I post a picture of like gym clothes that I bought? Like who cares? Like I was so materialistic. Um, it, it, it's crazy, but I did go through and archive a lot of photos. Um, none of that I was like trying to hide. It was just ones that I it was like, why are you posting a picture of like a pineapple? Like doesn't make any sense. Like it's not artistic at all. It's a picture of a pineapple. Yeah. One thing that I regret is, um, like I got, so when my first sibling had a baby, I was like, so involved in like, when she allowed me to post about it, I like made it about me and it had nothing to do with me. Like I wasn't pregnant, like whatever. And I would post like all these crazy things about like, you know, Oh, in two months I'll be here. Like, like, like crazy stuff and it's you're living vicariously through like her pregnancy literally it was so crazy and then the day he was born I went to the hospital and like didn't tell anybody and she got so mad at me like and I was like flipping out with my brother like I'm just trying to meet my nephew but I just didn't do it in the best way and like we talked about that when we like worked through all our stuff when I was like almost at a year and it was like I felt really bad because I didn't think about her feelings like the yeah. fact that she had just had a baby like I literally he was born like two hours before I met him like as soon as I, <laughs> Here I am. Him, he was born <laughs> I was off so I was like gone and you sound a lot like me I, when <laughs> I was that so much and then it's so funny to see the nephew that I had during sobriety it's like completely different like I don't do that like I'm obsessed with him but right. it's because I have like this great actual relationship with him and with mm -hmm. my other nephew it was hard my sister-in-law you know was got to a point in my addiction where she was like I don't want you in his life right now and that oh, wow. and that is really what kick-started my sobriety so yeah my last question for you is if anyone's listening and they're really struggling with sobriety what would you say to them I know that's a loaded question so if you need a minute to think about it take your time there's so many things yeah, share whatever you want to share. I mean, one thing that comes, I, I've, I said it earlier, like just be open-minded. Um, a lot of people, especially when you're getting on social media are anti this, anti that, or pro this, pro that, like try all the things and don't listen to anyone. Um, 
block out the negativity and do what works for you. Um, so try all the things, the good things that are like good for you. Um, stay connected to people. Um, and then I really think just, I even say this to my friends who are, who are normies, normal drinkers. Um, my, I had a friend whose dog passed away recently and it, that's so sad. Like this dog was his, his best friend. Like, and I just said, you know, you have to feel those feelings in order to like go get through this and heal. And it's the same thing I say about sobriety. You have to go through the feelings and feel all the feelings and process them in order to heal. Um, you know, it's not, a, it's, it's not fun. You know, some, sometimes it's exciting, but a lot of the times it's scary. Um, but to just keep going and, you know, you know, don't give up on yourself because in the end, like you are all you have, uh, you can't rely on anybody else to do this work for you. So. Absolutely. I agree with that. Tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram. Okay. I always feel like I have to spell my Instagram out, but it's sass and sarcasmic. So I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put it in the show notes so everybody can see it. Yeah. It's a play on words. I won't say what the words are, but you can use your imagination. Um, Yep. That's my only, like my personal Instagram. I have my art Instagram too, which is, I think on my, I have like a link tree uh, website that has like all my stuff on it. Perfect. Gina, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this with me being so open and honest. Thank you. You know, it does. I believe that every episode helps somebody. That is how I see it. And I have a bunch of people reach out to me. So I know that I am just not grateful. Everyone else is also grateful as well. Yes. And you are doing like the biggest act of service. Um, you know, I think all of us on Instagram who are sharing out loud and recovering out loud, like that's, we're doing service work daily, but when you're like sharing people's stories, uh, like this, I mean, that's huge. So I want to thank you for letting me share with you and with people. Um, and also thank you for doing what you do. I think it's awesome. 